is Friday morning. You know what that means, folks? Uh, I'm tired. I need coffee. That's what it means, right? Is is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. That, among other things, I think we all feel that way. (laughs) So let's end the show. It's done. We're good. Uh, No, uh, we are, uh, again, simulcasting uh, directly to Twitter uh, today. uh, And uh, good to see everybody uh, from at least your likes, views, and whatnot. Uh, But... it's it's kind of tough to see a certain crowd when you're on the sideline of RPI. Uh, here's a segue for you. Uh, we thought this story was pretty much done, uh, or at least uh, it got as strange as it was going to get. We were pretty much done trying to keep you updated on it. And then our friend Trevor Watts, who's an RPI alum, uh, reached out to the chairman of the board of trustees of RPI, Arthur Golden, who's an attorney at Davis Polk, a very well uh, reputed uh, law firm across the country, mainly in New York and D.C. And uh, Arthur uh, responded to him. And uh, we actually reached out to Arthur to see if he wanted to join us. No response. I'm shocked. Uh, but here uh, was uh, some of the uh, response to Trevor. Uh Unfortunately, there is uh, still not much comforting material for resolution of the issue in a manner that you would like. For example, the Broadway show Aladdin has had to close twice this past week, now until at least October 10th because of breakthrough cases, despite having a good vaccination slash frequent testing, if exempt requirement, with proof required for employees, cast, etc., and audiences. By the way... One of my grandsons has a hockey game today. He is required to wear a mask on the ice while playing, and my wife and I are not allowed in the rink building, which is in a private school. He went on to say that it's going to be monitored further, etc., etc. Arthur, 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 as a fellow attorney, let me just tell you, what the hell are you talking about, man? Seriously. <laughs> We are paid to do research, and we are paid to, you know, brief things up and distinguish cases and whatnot, and you've done obviously none of that in this one, because if you, the best you got is that the indoor presentation of Aladdin has had a couple breakthrough cases of COVID. You're probably missing the mark when we're talking about an outdoor sport and other outdoor sports, not just football, but... Uh, soccer, etc. People are willing to be masked in the opposite side stands, away from the student body. I mean, the parents have been pretty clear about the things they're willing to do to make this happen, to be able to see their kids a little bit closer uh, on the sidelines. And the best you've got is, well, A, Aladdin, and B, my grandson, I can't go see him play, so screw everybody, basically, in this whole thing. Is, am I missing something, JB? No, and I think, you know, whereas, uh, you know, I'm not going to make any commentary on the, the use or lack thereof of masks outdoors, but like you said, I mean, there are certain precautions that can be put into place. We're seeing it across the country and everywhere. Um, outdoor events are have been going on uh, pretty safely for a while now. This is... What was your uh, what was your saying in the spring, Frank? It's it maybe new to you, but it's not new. Um, that's exactly what's going on here. And there's 18 months now of a track record of outdoor events. If you run them a certain way, you're going to be fine. And I just don't understand why RPI continues to dig its heels into 
the dirt, the whatever, and and basically kicking the sand in the eyes of their student athletes. It's just it's a, it's a real and, and their families. I mean, you know, they were locking grandparents out of you know porta potty bathrooms the other weekend. It's 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 just not okay. You would think that Arthur would have access to some good government officials to talk to them about the reality because uh, he, Davis Polk, and uh, probably what he did was a lot of uh, re- regulation type activity uh, in the law. So you, you think he, had a, he would have real access to people that could give uh, answers to questions like, is this a wise idea? Is this really necessary going to this extreme on a facility that's on the periphery of the RPI campus in the first place? I, I just don't get it. Uh, as an attorney, he should know better. He should do better. And if he doesn't truly believe this, then maybe he should start making some changes. I, I, I don't get any of it at this point, and it's just getting stranger and stranger. Good job by Trevor to uh, get that uh, response from him. Uh, bad job by uh, Arthur to respond in terms of the material he gave us here is completely unconvincing and frankly BS. Let's start our 16th show of season 14 of In the Huddle. So uh, we have some games to talk about, definitely a little bit lighter of a slate this week, but it doesn't mean that we don't have some great games uh, to be played, uh, that's for sure, and we'll go through some of those. And we also will be presenting an interview we did with Breeze and Brett Segala of Cortland, uh, the quarterback and former quarterback, now running backs coach of uh, the Cortland uh, Red Dragons. We promise uh, that we will get you a transcript version or a uh, caption version. Uh, unfortunately, our captions uh, did not get done in time. Uh, we had done this interview what, about 2 o'clock yesterday. We finished up, and uh, they uh, didn't get delivered still as of about half an hour ago. So we will uh, deliver a caption version either on Twitter or Facebook uh, later on. So we apologize to them for that. Uh, you'll understand why we say this when you watch the interview coming up in a little bit. JB, uh, you give our th- give us a thirty thousand view, thirty thousand foot view of uh, the week that has already passed. Give us the uh, view of you from or for the week that's about to hit us right now. I have completely botched that. That's why I love live <laughs> shows. Yes, live tell- yes, live shows. Well, uh, you know we're sort of rounding the corner now into the second half of the uh, fall season, and what we've seen so far is. Conference races are underway. There are teams that are either 1-0 or 0-1, 2-0, and we're starting to see the, the conference races really heat up and the sort of proverbial stack ranking is going to start happening. But as is always, and you know, as fans, we can only hope that by week 10, we just have teams beating other teams and just kind of chaos reigning. <laughs> and so you know, it could come down to tiebreakers or all sorts of crazy stuff in in the final week of the season but this this weekend and then next weekend frank we're gonna see 
uh, a lower volume of games. We're, 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 a lot of teams are hitting their bye weeks. There's only 97 games, I think, this weekend. And most of, like more than half of those are in regions four through six. Region one has, has the most in, you could kind of say, in the eastern seaboard side of things with 22. Region two, um, our original kind of home region of upstate New York and, and Pennsylvania only has nine games. And then um, the southeast uh, only has 16. So smaller slate of games, but like you said, there's some pretty good and intriguing ones in there. Uh, and we'll have some more on that in a little bit. Let's actually go to those uh, games, the listing that we have here uh, that we th call our Key Week 6 D3FB games. And uh, JB, I'll start with Region 1. The game that I'll be attending here is Western New England at Endicott. I might be a few minutes late. I'm refing in Boston before that game, but uh, I will be there definitely for at least the second, third, and fourth quarters of the game. Maybe run into our good friend Matt Noonan from uh, Noontime Sports, uh, who might be roaming the sidelines too. If he does, I, you know, we'll probably be mask to mask uh, talking over mm -hmm. there on the sideline because uh, that's, I believe, still the rule. Although uh, I, I hope they've relaxed that a little bit at this point. We'll see. But West New England uh, Endicott is a big CCC showdown. Uh, the winner of this game, essentially, in my view, if it's Western New England. I feel like the only thing they've got to really, really worry about after that is uh, Hassan, essentially, in the CCC. Although uh, University yeah. of New England uh, always uh, probably uh, says, hey, we are uh, ready to play spoilers, among others, uh, in yeah. the CCC. Endicott still has uh, Salve Regina, and Salve Regina is going to look to bounce back from that loss against Western New England. So you could end up with the merry-go-round one-loss scenario uh, if Endicott beats Western New England, and then Salve Regina beats Endicott later on. So there's a lot to be said still in the CCC, obviously, but this is a big piece of the puzzle. Region 2, sir. Yeah, well, we have the St. Lawrence Saints coming off their bye week, uh, going to Schenectady to take on uh, Union, which has been struggling a little bit with injuries and kind of getting – you know, getting through their games with a, with a closer um, maybe win margin than um, Coach Behrman would feel ultimately com comfortable about. But at the end of the day, the Dutchmen are still undefeated. Um, they haven't lost a, a regular season game in a while now. But we'll see if Coach Puck and the Saints can maybe start upsetting the apple cart here in the Liberty League, which has you know, been one of the more interesting uh, conference races so far, you know, Brockport, Cortland, we'll have a lot more on that in a little bit. Um, you know, basically, perhaps a de facto Empire 8 title type of game, although Utica and maybe one other uh, or two other teams might want to lay claim to that, and, and they'll have their chances uh, later on this season. And then jumping into Region 3, Frank, um, St. Vincent has been kind of a, a quiet surprise in, in the pack right now. They had a big win over Case last weekend, and Washington Jefferson had to – kind of pull out all the stops to, to scrape by with a four-point win over, uh, at the time, two and two Geneva. So that could be an interesting possible upset alert type of thing to keep an eye on. I know um, that you and the uh, D3Football.com group will have some thoughts about the quick hits and the picks for, for this weekend. I imagine there might be some, you know, if there is a top 25 team that could get upset, if it's not you know, Oshkosh potentially they may look at they may pick on the, the presidents because of how they how they struggled in week five. Yeah, that, that could be an interesting uh, little uh, problem there uh, for Washington and Jefferson. Also uh, on uh, Region Three, and we'll blow back up for a second here for you folks to see it a little bit better. Center versus Trinity, 
of Texas. Um, and uh, this is one of those big SAA matchups right now based on how yeah. everything has sort of started to unfold there. Obviously, Birmingham Southern is a big piece of the puzzle uh, coming up as well. And so it, this is, uh, you know, again, several pieces of puzzles and several conferences need to be resolved before we can give you the ultimate who really is the front runner scenario. This is one of those conferences yeah. because with uh, Barry sort of tripping up here and uh, not uh, playing the way they should have played last week, uh, it's one of those conferences that could go any way of about three or four different ways in my book right now. So we'll be seeing Center versus Trinity as a big portion of that at 2.30 uh, Eastern time, I believe that is, in Region 3. Yeah. In Region 4, Hanover, Rose Holman, uh, that's an HCAC, Heartland, uh, special kind of game that I will tell you should be very good. I would think high scoring, to be honest with you. We'll see. Uh, DePaul versus Wittenberg, uh, the NCAC uh, needs a little bit of clarity as well after that Denison-Wabash game. This is kind of the other side of that uh, conference scenario to see how we line up. Uh, what the undefeated versus undefeated scenario will be eventually in this conference, or most likely as long as they keep winning. And then Albion versus Adrian, always a big MIAA game at 5 o'clock, getting showcase timing as well. Uh, so that's a pretty important game in Region 4 for sure. Region 5, JB, our The friend. safety dance. Remember that in the springtime, the safety dance. Coach Cat and and the Foresters they they had what four or five safeties against Illinois College in that game last time that was cool. nuts I'm I'm assuming that we probably won't see something like that in this game but this is a, a pretty a fun local rivalry between these two schools that aren't you know more than a, a few miles apart um, so that'll be I think kicking off a little later in the afternoon although there really aren't a ton of um, evening or you know late afternoon games this weekend Frank there's a lot bunched up at 12 and then one and then two um, and a little bit of three o'clock as we'll see in region six so um, there'll be a lot of stuff going on all sort of simultaneously so you're going to have to do your head on the swivel type deal to see all this stuff Indeed. Uh, North Central versus Carthage. Uh, Carthage has had a decent start to their season, and North Central, obviously, you know the story there, the number one team in the nation. And so uh, yeah. I, I don't see it as a huge hurdle for North Central, but it's just a game to watch uh, for sure in a region that uh, lacks maybe a certain level of number of games to watch. Uh, this is something we'll definitely be watching to see if North Central continues their surge here or if they begin to trip up a little bit. Uh, as the number one team. I know who will be watching. Mary Harden Baylor fans, that's for sure. They will be watching because we keep getting uh, cards, notes, letters, whatever you want to call it, uh, from those fans saying, what happens if with the rankings? Folks, let me just be clear about something. Mm -hmm. If the four teams at the top right now continue to win out, okay, it's going to be North Central as the number one, number one seed. It'll be Whitewater as the number two, number one seed. And then it's going to be between Mary Harden Baylor and Mount Union as the third and fourth number one seeds. Okay, it's going to probably be based on some level of the 2019 results. Although, as we said with Greg on uh, our Wednesday show, uh, we aren't sure to what level that's going to be true. But that's going to be the general view here: is that the teams that went to the Stag Bowl last time will be your top two seeds if they go undefeated again. So far, that's the way it's looking. We have a lot of games to play, but. The rankings that we do on D3Football.com, I'm a voter, 
uh, don't matter. They really don't matter in this respect. Uh, the committee is going to choose based on a certain analysis requirement by the NCAA, and that's just the way it is. So Mary Hard Baylor could be number one in our poll uh, ultimately uh, as points shift back and forth, but it's not going to mean much when it comes to committee night in about six weeks or so. So just understand that, but nonetheless, it's fun to talk about it, fun to uh, have a little bit of uh, yeah. you know back and forth about the poll and what it means. Region six. Oshkosh lacrosse, two ranked teams. The this is kind of the the heir apparent to Whitewater game, I would call it, because I think the winner of this game it will likely be a good challenge for Whitewater for the WIAC title ultimately. Uh, and uh, three o'clock and good billing time for them. And Whitworth versus Linfield. Uh, what do you think on this one? Not not prediction wise, but just in terms of setup. Yeah, I mean, once again, another matchup of two ranked teams. This will be interesting to see if, you know, did the spring season help elevate Whitworth to a level to take on sort of the perennial power that, that is Linfield? Time will tell. Um, you know, I know that, uh, that the Pirates have been, you know, kind of working their way up to this. And so it'll be interesting to see how far they've come along. It should be a great matchup out West. Well, after talking about those games, but before we do our predictions, I think it's a good time to bring in our guests uh, that we interviewed yesterday. And uh, one face you've seen before here on this show two years ago, as uh, Brett Segala was uh, doing great work for the Cortland Red Dragons as their quarterback at that point in time. We knew it was his last year. He was a senior at that point. This was not a COVID scenario. Uh, he was done. Yep. But uh, then it uh, goes back to Cortland, as you'll hear here. And uh, his brother Breeze is quarterback now. He was a quarterback on the roster in 2019, again, as you'll hear. And uh, basically, you know, Breeze is just lighting things up statistically right now uh, in the EA in all the games they've played so far for Cortland. And uh, this could be a very interesting, great offense of Cortland meets great defense of Brockport. Uh, who, who's going to give here? Uh, type of game. We'll predict it later, but first, our interview. Well, guys, there's only nine uh, Region 2 games uh, this weekend, but there's a pretty important one shaping up in the Empire 8 between you and Brockport. Uh, tell us a little bit about the season to date. I know you guys have been on a pretty good run. How does it feel going into this important weekend? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be an important one. It's a big game. Brockport's a a really talented football team, a great defense, and they've shown it over the last couple of years. So they're coming to our house, and they're coming off a big win in the Courage Bowl over St. John Fisher. So it feels good to have a great start to the season, and we've uh, prepared this week, and we got to continue to prepare even harder and for a good, talented football team to come to town. Hey, Brett, I want to jump in on that because I attended that Courage Bowl game, and I, it reminded me at least the defense of Brockport of Brockport teams you faced over the years. Uh, the defense is as tough as ever. Offense has some question marks. Coach Mangoni even admitted that in his post-game interview with me. But the defense that you used to uh, look down the barrel of all the time uh, is still there. I know you're the running backs coach right now, but what kind of advice are you giving to Breeze about this juggernaut Brockport defense that he's about to face? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's the same Brockport defense that we've seen over the last couple of years. Uh, they play hard, they play fast, they play physical football, and they're well coached by Coach Fox over there. Um, Breeze was on the team in 2019, so he got a firsthand view of it from the sidelines, and we've done a really good job of preparing this week. Coach Fitz has put together a really good plan for our offense, and 
you know, Breeze has just led the way for the offense with their offensive line. And, um, you know, we're, we're ready to go and just got to have another good practice today and tomorrow and be ready to go for a very, very good football team and a very good matchup on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, speaking of this matchup, it feels like it's going to be one of those uh, something's got to give type of situations. You guys are averaging over 50 points a game on offense, uh, putting up over 450 yards. Um, you know, this Brockport team, I'm going to say that they haven't allowed more than 16 points this season. I know they technically uh, lost Ithaca 23-8, but one of those wasn't a offensive touchdown. Um, so it just feels like two, two really, you know, strengths of both teams kind of you know crashing forward what is um what is the game day experience you know felt like now even you know kind of we're not really through COVID yet but you know it, you expect a good crowd for this kind of a matchup what what game what's game day going to feel like on Saturday yeah so this weekend is actually parents weekend and uh I believe there's going to be a pretty big crowd just because it's parent, parents weekend and it's a huge game um SUNY Cortland Athletics is making every spectator still wear a mask. So, I mean, like, the COVID fundamentals are still alive and well here at SUNY Cortland. So even with it, the issues of COVID, I still think that it's going to be a pretty big crowd and a pretty big game. I mean, you got two of the top teams in the Empire 8 facing off, so people are going to want to come watch. Brett, uh, he brings up a good point. Uh, it seems like uh, we, we know who's uh, asking who questions right now. Uh, JB's going to Breeze, uh, the young guy. I'm going to the older guy for some reason. We're crossing up here. But, uh, Brett, uh, it's, you know, you finish. You decide to return to Cortland as a coach. And we talk about family weekend and appearance weekend and all that stuff. But the family of Cortland football, even under a new head coach, uh, we read uh, Joe Sager's article about you guys a little bit on d3football.com. Well done by him. But kind of for those that didn't read it, explain why you are back. And even under a, a head coach who came from Morrisville, basically, down to uh, you guys, what was the connection or what made it happen? You know, um, when COVID hit, I was kind of just looking around, trying to find a teaching job, trying to find a coaching job. And Coach Fitz got in touch with me about last January and, said he had an opening at the running back spot and I jumped on it. You know, it's, it's been a heck of an experience for me to sit back and learn from coach Fitz and coach Roch and coach Spalick. Uh, even our defensive coordinator, coach Morgan has taught me so much. So I've kind of come back in a different role, um, a coaching role that I've always wanted to do. I know we spoke about it in 2019 when I came on the show that I wanted to get into coaching and had the opportunity to. So very thankful for the fact that I got to come back to my alma mater and coach here and just be a part of something special here. Well, definitely, it must it must be really fun in a way, especially you know Breeze. You, you know to have your older brother there on the sideline with you, someone that who's been through the battles, um, you know the kind of up and downs that that can happen with you know the Empire Eight and upstate New York uh, you know style of football. Um, what what would you say from a you know from a team perspective, you know? I, I guess looking at some of the, the the statistics makes me wonder like. You know, have you guys heard any of the, this chatter of like, well, you know, Cortland's great, but they haven't played anybody yet. We'll really get to see, you know, how good of a team they really are when they go up against against Brockport. Um, you know, I think certain teams such as my alma mater, Hobart, you know, got some of that grief. And when they played Ithaca, it didn't quite turn out that well for them. How do you guys sort of, you know, tamper down, you know, the, the outside chatter of being like, eh, you know, 4-0, your top 25 team. So what? like, you know, you haven't played anybody yet. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't think any of us here really listening to that noise. Like we're just focused on us and focusing on what we're doing here. Um, and yeah, we've put up a lot of points and we've played some talented teams, but this weekend's going to be different. You know, it's going to be a dog fight and we know that. And I'm excited for everyone wants to talk about us scoring 50 points and 450 yards. But what people don't realize in division three football is how talented our defense is. Like I said this in the article, being on this team is a quarterback's dream because we have such a talented defense and special teams that they put you in positions to succeed that other quarterbacks don't get around the nation. Like we've got so many senior leaders and a talented coach and coach Morgan and the schematics that they have that they go out there and like, I have so much trust in them to make a stop that I know that like sometimes for me, punting the football away isn't the worst thing that we can do because I know putting our defense in good field position and with how talented they are, and you guys are going to see it this weekend, it's not a bad thing. And I'm excited for people to watch our defense and start talking about them more because they deserve the respect more than anyone else. Okay, so, Brett, 12 touchdowns, one interception for this guy in four games. Uh, that may be better than your stats when you were quarterback at Cortland. Uh, maybe a couple additional interceptions uh, for you over four <laughs> games. But you, you were pretty damn good. Uh, there's no doubt about it. That's why you were on our show in 2019. But I also, looking at the pictures from the D3 football article, it looked like it was Little Breeze next to Big Brett. And now Breeze is 6'2", according to stats uh, that we were seeing. And you are 6'0", according to the 2019 stats that I found. Um, when did this happen and who beats up whom now? It's funny you say that. Um, my freshman year when I got to Seton Hill, Breeze was probably right at my armpit. Um, and then all of a sudden he walked through the doors at Cortland and was probably six foot one, 155 pounds soaking wet. And uh, now he's a senior, 6'2", 205 or something. So, yeah, it's turned into I'm, I'm Breeze's big little brother <laughs> nowadays. Um, he's a big boy. I'll, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He probably beats me up more often than not now. Um, it's just he's a big dude. He's worked hard, and he's gotten to this point. And you make the note about the interceptions number. He's done a great job. Coach Fitz has done a great job coaching him, um, and he's been great for our football team. So Now, the focus of this show is obviously the, the huge Brockport-Cortland game, but I do know that there is a certain member of your family who's probably really happy that the Gallaudet Bison uh, is now in first place in the ECFC and looking like they might be a potential playoff team. How weird would it be for you guys if somehow, if everything kind of worked out, that Cortland versus Gallaudet happens in the first round of the NCAA playoffs? Would it be a house divided? What does is, what is Mr. Segala think about the whole thing going on down there in D.C.? You know, I personally, I haven't heard anything about Gallaudet and what they've been doing. I haven't been digging into that. But, I mean, that's down the road, and who knows? Anything could happen. But if it did happen, I mean, I don't think it'd be divided. Dad's obviously got our back, but maybe a little bit of part of him would be cheering for Gallaudet. But that's down the road, and, I mean, who knows? Anything can happen, man. Okay, I, I, I actually do want to springboard off that question a little bit because your dad, James, and your mom as well, uh, as we had uh, talked about in our interview in 2019, our hearing impaired, uh, your dad went mm -hmm. to uh, Galdet. Uh, the more, after the interview, honestly, Brett, I looked into him a little bit more and can appreciate him a lot because he was actually uh, one of the few deaf officials uh, in the country and was helping manage others uh, along the way. I, and I know he's in the Hall of Fame uh, down at Galdet uh, from the research I had done. 
he has overcome so much. To what degree is he an inspiration, and your mom for that matter, in terms of what they've had to overcome? I want to ask you both this question, so feel free to uh, go in the order you want. But, I mean, what level of inspiration have your parents been to you uh, in what you've faced and continue to face in life right now? Yeah, I think I, I speak for both me and Breeze, and I'll let him say it too. Um, both my mom and my dad have just been our rock throughout life. Um, you know, hearing impairedness, some people see it as a disability. My parents have taken it and run with it and haven't let it stop them in their tracks at all. Um, like you spoke on it, my dad's an official in multiple different sports and have done that. My mother's a successful person as well. Um, they both graduated from Gallaudet and got quality degrees and are living great lives. And, you know, me and Breeze wouldn't be where we are today without mom and dad. Um, and I know they're going to watch this. They did in 2019. They're going to want the closed caption version and everything. But so my message to my mom and dad, I love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and thank you for everything you've done for both of us. Breeze, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can ask for something more inspiring. Like on my dad's side of things, like deaf quarterback, he's been through it all and he succeeded. And then my mom being deaf her whole life and just going through the steps that she has and like, my mom's there for us all the time. I mean, like, like I'm definitely the mama's boy, and he's the he's the dad's boy because he's been like the breedy quarterback his whole life. But I mean, I can't say enough about them. And sometimes it leaves you speechless because like you don't know what to say because it's just like they're just always there, and it's like you expect them to be there because that's who they are. And seeing what they've done and like with their deaf obstacles, it shows me that I can do anything. And you know, I love them both a lot. That's awesome. Were you guys able to stay in stay in touch with them during the COVID separation? Were you guys kind of stuck in Cortland during that time period, or uh, were you guys all together? What what happened during that time period? Did you get to see your folks, or was it there sort of everyone was kind of stuck off quarantining in different places? Yeah, for me, sorry, Brett. Go ahead. <laughs> for me, in uh in like February and uh, March and April, I was home obviously because like we got sent home in the spring for COVID. So right. I was with my dad and my mom and I was able to see them. But then when we were able to get the chance to come back to school last fall, obviously we didn't play football, but I decided to stay here at school and just live with the 10 guys that I did off campus. So I didn't see them them then, but I still had the opportunity to see my parents and I was able to FaceTime them and be around them. But for Brett, it's a different story. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was student teaching. So I decided to stay in Cortland and just kind of put my feet down. It was my last semester here in Cortland. So I wanted to spend some time here and, Breeze spoke on it. FaceTime's a, an amazing thing, and especially for our family, FaceTime holds a special place in our hearts um, to make communication with my parents pretty easy. So FaceTimed every single day, um, and we still do. I, we talk to our mom and dad multiple times a week, and as many people in Cortland know, my, my parents and my grandparents do not miss a Cortland football game, varsity or JV. They are here no matter what, and they travel. So we see them very often now, so it's good. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, back to football for one second here. Uh, this, football seems so uh, academic uh, after you talk about a topic like uh, all of that that we just uh, hit or topics. But uh, guys, we, we've seen the Empire rate looking kind of odd fashion right now. It's like the Liberty League somehow has supplanted it in terms of the uh, league in New York that's getting the attention because of what happened out of conference games. And Utica is still going to be a force to be reckoned with, no doubt. Alfred uh, and St. John Fisher may be down a bit here and the rest. Is this, in some players' minds, the de facto 
Empire 8 championship game that we're looking at on Saturday. Is that how the mentality is, uh, even though we know you have more games you'll have to win beyond it? What is the locker room saying about this game and the importance of it? Breeze, I'll uh, let you start on this one. You know, for us, especially in conference play, every week is championship week. So it doesn't matter the opponent we're playing. Like, every conference game means just as much as another one. Obviously, we're playing Brockport, and the history of the game of the last two years that we played them has had a little more. It's been magnified because of what could have happened and what did happen. So obviously, people are, like, thinking of that in that way. But every week's a championship week, and we just have to come out and go 1-0 and and do our thing and just win the game and move on from there. Brett, what do the coaches say in this respect? Yeah, we just echo the same sentiment. Uh, put together a great game plan offensively, defensively, and special teams-wise. Um, and, you know, the, I'm in a different role now, and us coaches are. We don't get to go out and play. We put the game plan out, and these guys are going to go out and work their tails off, um, play a full 60-minute game, and we're going to play a great game on Saturday, and we're looking forward to it. Okay, guys, since I'm, I'm the king of cliche, I have to ask. Um, and, you know, I know, Brett, you had firsthand experience of, of the Cortica game at Giants Stadium. Uh, a few weeks back, we got the announcement about Cortica being at Yankee Stadium. Now, I know, Breeze, there's a, a SR in front of the QB on your uh, you know title there. Um, but as we all know that not every junior is really a junior or a senior and this and that and the other thing. I mean, is it safe to say you're going to stick around to play at Yankee Stadium, or is that just let's get through this season first? We'll we'll you know jump through that hoop at uh, at that point. You know, James, it would be an awesome thing to play in Yankee Stadium. But I've said this since the spring. This is my last season. You know, I'm going to graduate in the spring with a sport management degree, and I'm ready to take on life in a different fashion. So I've got I like to say six more guaranteed golf swings left. I got six more swings, and. Uh, I got to make the most of them. So I'm a senior and it's going to stay that way. And I'm going to graduate with this class and we're going to graduate the right way. That's awesome. Okay. Well, with your level of poise, uh, both of you are destined for great things uh, beyond uh, the classroom uh, or in the classroom still in some uh, facet as well. Uh, Brett's still teaching. So we'll see where this all leads to. But uh, great candid answer there. We appreciate that. Guys, uh, you probably know what's next, and uh, this is going to be a little problematic because you're probably going to want to give shout-outs to the same people, or at least uh, <laughs> in some format. So, uh, age before beauty, is that what they say, Brett? So, I, I guess we're going to start with you on this. How's that for uh, a little transition into that? Uh, so, Brett, go first, and then Breeze, you're going to have time to think of some additional ones. Perhaps the offensive line might be a good idea, okay? Uh, so, Brett, shout-outs. Breeze, follow him. Um, just like all I can really say, like we've already hit on it. My mom, my dad, my grandparents, um, like I said, they don't miss a Cortland football game. They're Cortland football through and through. Um, every coach on this coaching staff, I kind of hit on it. Coach Fitz, Coach Roch, Coach Spalick, Coach Morgan, even our younger coaches, Coach Cushing, Coach Wallace, Coach Curran, Coach Finkel, and uh, Coach Heasley. Just very thankful for them bringing me back, teaching me so much about, you know, this side of football, the coaching side of football. And, um, just thankful for Breeze. You know, he's worked his tail off. I'm really proud of him, proud of everything he's done uh, so far this season and what's to come after that. Go ahead, Breeze. All right. I got to start with the shout-outs to my mother and my father. I love you both. Thank you for everything. My grandparents, especially Grandma. I'm um, especially your little man, but this week your little man's going to get hit a little bit, but it's going to be – I'll be battling out there. 
Um, I got to shout out my teammates and especially my offensive line. I mean, those guys know I love them and we talk every single day and they've been working hard. Um, personally, I thought they deserved a spot on the Division Three National Team of the Week offensive line. They We ran for 310 yards versus Morrisville. We didn't let up any sacks, but I mean, we're a killer group. I got to give a shout out to our defense. I mean, they've been killer. Captain Paul, Paul Imp, um, Devin Smith, Stone Murray, uh, Christian Leinauer, Josh Cordero, Dylan Dubuque. I can go Justin Wheeler, transfer from Fisher that's been with us. I can go on and on about those guys. They've had a hell of a year. Um, I've got to give a shout-out to our managers, um, Joe Mack and Dom Isabel. They're working with the quarterback group, and they're my rock here away from home. You know, they've been here for me all the time. Um, we got a bunch of managers that help out. And lastly, the coaching staff, especially Coach Fitz. I mean, he's made uh, this transition to a starting quarterback helpful and easier than, uh, than I would know. You know, he's a great guy, and working with him every single day, um, it's pretty awesome. So Coach Raj and all those guys, and obviously my brother, he knows I love him, and he knows I say enough about him, so I don't got to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's a, a record book uh, that Brett is in, uh, you guys have now collectively uh, gone into our record book because that was the longest shout-out uh, section we've ever had in our – 14 season history of in the huddle and uh we're not cutting a bit of it because that was tremendous guys uh tremendous interview we appreciate you guys uh you know obviously we have equal love between brockport and Cortland. Uh, you both schools have been great to us over the years and uh we're looking forward to this matchup as much as uh, anybody out there to see how it plays out i will be in boston uh, obviously but i'm gonna be checking that scoreboard over and over again and we'll be looking to show highlights of this game next week on crunch time on our uh, midweek episode as you know so good luck to you guys and as always thanks for joining us thanks for having us hey guys i i don't care what you say you gotta love when two brothers are able to uh, hold good banter on uh, a show like this uh, and uh, those two are really good again you always wonder what you're gonna get when you line up an interview because we don't have like a pre-set there's no know, screening video. going on here. Yeah, we, we can't screen. <laughs> what can we do? So, but these two were like ready to go from second one. Now we knew Brett was already from a couple of years ago, but yeah. Breeze could have been the shy brother for all we knew. Nope, not so much. Not shy. No caption version <laughs> coming up later uh, today. Hopefully, uh, once the uh, captions get delivered to me, as long as I'm not on the road when that happens, which will be happening soon. As I said, I will be heading out to Boston for the Endicott hosting of Western New England Saturday. That may be in the list of games coming up. JB, uh, 29 and 17, is that what that says? I'm five behind you right now? <sighs> Boy, okay, so we got 13 games again this week, so I can try to get some traction here. Uh, yeah. 11 minutes on the clock. Uh, before I start things here, what do you have to say about this big lead you're holding? You know, I think I think in a little bit is luck. I mean, I had that twelve and zero weekend. I think it was in week four or five, and you you went with a few upset picks that didn't pan out. I mean, they could have easily panned out, and then it would have been flip flop. But sometimes, you know, that's just the way that's just the way these things go. So, um, I'm trying to trying to go with with my head here instead. I mean, I did let the um, you know the Hobart pick slip out uh, last last weekend, and, and I was. Definitely wrong on that, but hey. Thanks, um, Ithaca. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah see what, else you, what else did I get? Yeah, you got lacrosse. I missed on that one. We both missed on Coast Guard. 
Um, but then, yeah, I think you had Salve, and I went with Western New England, and then things started to, to switch around a little bit. And then once we got into the Midwest, uh, you thought the Gusties might take care of uh, a Bethel. That didn't pan out. I picked Trinity. You picked Barry. And that, that's kind of the tail of the tape at, that, at this point. So, yeah, just a couple here and there. And it just, you know, we've been doing this. This is our fifth week in a row of doing this. So, basically, I've just been right one more time each week on average. And so, there aren't many places in my life, Frank, where I get to be right, you know, the, with a wife and five teenagers. So, I, I appreciate you giving me this platform and opportunity to be <laughs> right at least one time a week versus zero. I can't even. Let's just jump into this stuff. Uh, you know how it works. Clock will start after I give you the first game, and we'll alternate starting. Here we go. Region 1, Western New England, and of course we're going to start with this game, the game I'm attending. Uh, this is kind of interesting to start this way, but hey, it lined up. Go! Hey, well, it worked for me last time, um, so I'm going to stick with the Golden Bears. I think that that schedule of uh, Utica and Salisbury kind of helped them level up a little bit. Endicott's been living a little dangerous in there, but still winning a lot of games. But I think uh, Western New England's going to win this one big. I will take them 45 to 21. I always fear this situation when I go to Endicott now and uh, how I pick these games. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the problem I've gotten for Endicott is they have a uh, quarterback issue per se they have lots of good quarterbacks but they keep switching out and I think it affects the cadence of a team this deep into the season so I don't know who's starting to be honest with you and I, I think that's an interesting statement to make in week six uh, Endicott is obviously a good balanced team from what we know from the WPI game Western New England I don't think they're a one-hit wonder they beat Springfield uh, in the opening of the season and the Salve Regina game obviously existed uh, the way it did last week it's a good close game West New England wins it uh, oh boy uh, 31-28 how's that for an odd score uh, okay next up I'll tell you is a region 2 game which is uh, St. Lawrence at Union uh, Puck, I think you got a good team. I saw it at Morrisville, but I think Union's got a better team right now, especially at home. I think they're working out their kinks there. Uh, they were a little too close for too long in their last two games, including the Buffalo State game. Uh, so, or last three games, uh, when you go back to Springfield even. So I think this is Union's opportunity to st sort of get things right consistently. Union wins this game 30-20. Uh, yeah, I also like the Dutchman. I mean, Will Bellamy is the best quarterback in the Liberty League, and he'll he'll do what he needs to. It's going to be tough. I mean, Groshad is a great quarterback too. I do think it'll be a closer game, but Union prevails, thirty-one to twenty-four. Brockport to Cortland. I'm going to go with the, uh, the home home team. I think, um, although Brockport's defense could intercept these guys like crazy, uh, I, I just feel more comfortable with the Cortland offense um, being able to keep pace and, and do some damage. So I will take the Red Dragons and a low scoring close one, 24 to 17. Yeah, I'm picking the home team, too. Uh, Terrell is, uh, I think, a little bit prone to interceptions, and this is not the game to be throwing them in because uh, it will lead to instant points by Cortland if that's the case. 
a good defense against uh, a, a good a good offense against a good defense uh, in terms of the uh, Cortland offense and the Brockport defense. I, I just see Shortfield enabling Cortland to be advantageous a couple of times enough to win the game. Cortland wins uh, 27-17. It's, I, I just think Brockport's going to have a tough time finding points. TCNJ at Montclair. Uh, by all measures, you would think Montclair, you know, year in and year out should be the pick here. And it's tough to make them an auto pick right now based on the season they're having with only one win. But I think Jaquil Birch and company are going to get this one at home. Uh, I've already seen some social media stuff. They're trying to get it pumped up there at Montclair. So I'll give uh, Montclair the win here by the uh, score of 24-10. Yeah, homecoming night for the Red Hawks should help them uh, get a little extra momentum. I also think about 24 points sounds right. I'll, I'll take them 24-17. Uh, wow. St. Vincent at W&J. <laughs> do we continue agreeing here or do you call for the upset? You know, I, I feel like the um, the president's defense is going to try to revert back to what we saw in week one against John Carroll. The offense has been a little bit hot and cold. St. Vincent, though, can put up a lot of points. I still feel like I'm going to go with the with the with the presidents, though. I, I think that they will have a little more talent. They're, they're just at another level there in the pack. It's going to be a close call, um, 31 to 28, but they the uh, WJ hangs on. Yeah, I think WJ just has too many horses here. Uh, St. Vincent, you know, kudos for last week against Case, but I just yeah. think WJ is not Case this year. We we kind of know that already. Uh, WJ wins this game, thirty-four, seventeen. Uh, Region three continues with Center at Trinity uh, Trinity of Texas in the SAA. I will pick Center in this game, even though Trinity had that big win last week. Uh, JB's like writing this one down feverishly. He's like, I think I've got my edge here, Frank. But uh, I will pick center. I, I think that uh, they've been playing good, consistent football. And on the road, I think they might be able to, I'm not going to call it steal one, but I'm going to say get one that's going to be a tough one and a big signature win for the season right now. Center wins it. With that defense, I think it'll be low scoring. Uh, 23-16. Yeah, I'm going to go with the the home team on this one. They've just looked a little more impressive. I mean, center's offense is explosive, but I think Trinity's defense will rein it in a little bit. It's going to be a close call, but I'll give the Tigers a, a slight edge. I think they hang on to win 35-27. to 27. Falling behind a little bit here. Hanover at Rose-Holman. Go. Uh, I think Rose-Holman will take it with their run-style offense. Hanover's looked a little beatable, even though they won the spring matchup by three points. I think Rose Holman takes the win in this one, 27-21. Yeah, I'd love to pick up a game here, and I, I wish Hanover was looking like their spring form because they were looking really good in the spring, but I agree with you. At home, Rose Holman should win this game. 37-30 uh, in favor of Rose Holman in a good offensive total. Uh, DePaul at Wittenberg in Region 4 in the NCAC um, Home team here uh, as well. Uh, Wittenberg is a tough out no matter when you play them, especially at home. Uh, I'm going to give them that slight edge here. Uh, 21 to 17 in a lower scoring game. 
Well, kind of like the kind of like Trini. I think DePaul are the Tigers, also, aren't they? I, yes, they are. Maybe I got the mascots wrong. So I'm gonna I'm sticking with the Tigers. I'll take DePaul uh, to win this one, 31 to 21. Albion at Adrian in the MIAA. Uh, I think Albion is the is the top team until they run into Hope. Probably um, Adrian's had a few hits and misses, so I'll take uh, the Brits. Um, 35 to 21. Yeah, again, agreement here. Uh, Albion seems to be the class of the MIAA, and, you know, if not for Mount Union, might be the class of Region 4, the way things are playing out right now. Uh, so Albion uh, wins this game 40 20. I, I just don't see it just being that close. And uh, the next game, which uh, is not popping up here, but I'll tell you, is Lake Forest at Illinois College. Apparently, Cat and Zero is uh, going into the gremlins here of my uh, computer. There we go. Uh, do you think I'd pick against the man? No. Uh, Lake Forest, I think, has a good uh, cadence right now going on throughout their team. And I think they're going to win this game. Uh, defense will dominate slightly here. So, 17-10 Lake Forest. Yeah, I think we're going to see, uh, was it A.J. Jackson, their receiver, who's just been lighting things up in special teams and on offense. He might be one of the best players in, in the Midwest that's not at Whitewater or North Central. Um, so I like the Foresters as well. I think they're going to win big, um, say, 42-21. to 21. Staying in Region 5, North Central at Carthage. I got to stick with the champs. Uh, Carthage did play a few games in the spring. Maybe that keeps them around for a little while, but I just feel like uh, the Cardinals will run away with this one 56 to 20. 49 10 in favor of North Central. It's just a different a different caliber between these two teams right now. <clears throat> no offense to Carthage. Just, that's just the way it is right now. Oshkosh at Lacrosse going to Region 6 in the WIAC. I will say. They're higher on my ballot. I'm going to go with it for uh, not just that reason, but because Oshkosh plays good football right around this time of season, it seems like every year. Uh, Oshkosh wins a game against a good team, a very good team also on my ballot. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, 13-10, Oshkosh. I think the defenses reign again here. Well, with all due respect to Whitewater and Platteville, who are going to be playing for the Axe, I think um, this is the best game in the WIAC this weekend, and that's why we put it up here. Yeah, well, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to go with the upset, though. The home team, uh, lacrosse, is going to you know, get one over on the Titans in a close call, 35-32, to 32, just like we saw. Yeah, okay, come on. I, Hey, I was wrong when I picked against them last week. I'm trying to... See if they, I can keep rolling with that. Okay. <laughs> Twitter handle is down there. You can send me your hate mail. Come on. One minute. They, yeah. <laughs> we only got one game left, so we, we're actually doing great yeah. now. Whitworth at Linfield. Ooh. Go. Wow. Wyatt Smith looks really impressive. Um, you know, we were doing a call-off for Gallardi Trophy types of candidates last time. I think he might be on that list and could end up being a, a semifinalist. He's he's that good. I will take Linfield. Um, unfortunately, the Whitworth Pirates just don't have the same amount of firepower. I will pick uh, the Wildcats to win 49-28. to 28. So uh, as we were watching the interview earlier, I was, uh, let's see if I can do this right, 
uh, writing my uh, quick hits uh, a little late here because I uh, got some extra sleep last night for once in my life. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that are, are in there, which top 25 team is most likely to be upset? I will read you this preview. Number 7, Linfield versus number 18, Whitworth. Okay, it's the second time I've picked against Linfield this season. Whitworth nearly nipped Linfield in 2019, but I feel the 2021 Pirates bring back a better offense in what could be a high-scoring game. Slight advantage, Whitworth to the tune of 37-34, Whitworth. Wow. Okay, that's... And you thought my my picking lacrosse to upset... Oshkosh was a big call. That's a pretty big call, Frank. Wisconsin, wow. Wisconsin football fans are higher uh, octane than uh, I would say the Northwest Conference's version of uh, football fans. Now, yeah, saying that, watch Linfield fans blame me on Twitter for the rest of today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wildcats. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be the first or last time that happens, Frank. We, you, know. you, you think? I, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Yeah. Uh, okay, William Tell goes down. We go to our normal screen. JB, thoughts on uh, what to watch for here in week six, uh, which, again, lighter fare, but heavier still in terms of caliber of games in certain instances. Yeah, I mean, th- there are a couple of major, you know, blockbusters, a few, um, you know, in the, in the top 10. I don't know if we're going to see as many upsets. There could be some secret surprise games that might be better than, than we realize, like uh, Bethel against Hamline, for instance, who's three and one. I mean, they're one and one in the, in the Mayak. Maybe they could make, you know, kind of surprise us with something. Westminster plays Carnegie Mellon on Saturday night at seven o'clock. That's a pretty good nightcap, even though the, the Tartans are not, you know, they're off to a great start, but they're three and one in conference. So there, there, there could be, you know, some better games, in week six and we realize it just there isn't as many of those big marquee matchups like we saw in week four and five but you know like i said we're turning the corner on the second half of the season and we're going to start you know seeing a little bit less games overall but the ones the, the big ones are still going to be there and sort of set the table for you know later on in the year week 10 week 11 when we have those grand finishes to figure out who's going to make the playoffs and who's staying home you know the uh, routine, folks. We'll be on Twitter all weekend uh, getting updated and giving you some uh, inside track and video from the game I attend and uh, a whole lot more. Next week, either Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll drop our Crunch Time episode for Week 6 and begin to look at Week 7, which, again, will be a little bit lighter in terms of the number of games, but still some key games to be played and watched then. Until then, have a great weekend, be safe out there, and we will see you, like I said, on Twitter throughout this weekend.